Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Midtown Business Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day again today. Joined in studio, as always, by our producer deluxe, Krista Baruti. I like the title. We've changed seating arrangements today. We're straight on, now, straight across now the Now I've table. got you in my sights yeah. and I can keep my <laughs> eye on you for a change. Or the other way around. We're real excited about uh, the guests that we have in studio today, some folks that will really be able to help our business-to-business listeners move their businesses forward. And I'll just kind of go around the room for a, a quick introduction. We have Melissa Smith joining us from Marketing Eye. Hi. Thanks for being here. We have Vianne Smith. Hello. Not related. From I Soul wish. Tech. <laughs> I would like to be <laughs> Melissa's sister. <laughs> Matt You're Ant- the better looking version. <laughs> Don't think so. Matt Anthony came by from Pindrop Security. Hi there. And we have, last but not least, Drew Erickson from Cox Digital Media. Hello. Thanks for having me. And, um, you know, we'll start with you, Melissa. Hi. Ladies first. Um, marketing Eye, I, I became familiar with you through social media, of course, as one might expect, given your wide following that you've developed through your marketing skills and expertise. So tell me a little bit about your story and how you started with Marketing Eye. I know you started, I believe it was in Australia. Is that right? I absolutely did. And thank you for reading my blogs. At least somebody does. Mm -hmm. Um, I started Marketing Eye 10 years ago. So this is actually my anniversary um, for 10 years in business with Marketing Eye. I started it because you know, there's a lot of small businesses out there that have a marketing need and they really don't know what the next step is to take. And what we do is provide an outsourced marketing department to these small businesses. So it, they, we give them a dedicated marketing manager and usually when you're working with agencies, you get an account manager mm-hmm. and they're fantastic and they're great at managing an account or great at managing a project but what we do is we give a qualified marketing manager just like you'd have in corporate and a complete outsource marketing team so that is everything from your graphic design your branding your web your PR you know we even have journalists on staff so it allows people to have one voice in one agency that provides them with a complete outsource marketing solution. Well, in the description of marketing, I talks about being a disruptive marketing consulting firm. And, and that's a term I, I see a lot nowadays. So for you, when you say you're a disruptive marketing consulting firm, what does that mean for you? It means that we go into business businesses with change in mind. So most companies that we work with, and, and VN has a company called Soltech, which we do marketing for. When we went into that business, we actually looked at that business, looked at where they were today and where they wanted to be in 12 months' time. And we disrupted it. We made changes. We made significant changes. We went in and we changed their brand. We changed their messaging. We changed the way that they looked at the market, the way they engaged with their customers. Um, and they're very much today from where they were a game changer. They're innovative. They're ahead of the game. They're doing things that nobody else is doing. And, and I suppose what we do is help them find that voice. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really intriguing. And, and obviously, you've been doing it for quite some time. I mean, 23 20, tw- years, a very long time. So I started out in marketing, um, typing scripts on a typewriter. <laughs> so a uh, very long time. And we used to make ads with um, uh, an, a Quark Express, an, an old Apple, and then develop the ad, um, press ad, in a um, dark room and produce a bromide. 
So from where we are today, where we just simply send an email, it's amazing. Yeah, when I looked on the website, which is a nice looking website, of course, as one might expect. Um, but <laughs> you, you have obviously quite a broad range of services that you provide and, and a fairly broad you know, scope in terms of the industries that you provide value to. Can you talk about some of the variety of services that you're providing there? I mean, I know you do web design and a host of things that you have professional staff. You're not just a boutique marketing group that can help somebody. You've got a full set of staff that you have to provide all all kinds of things. Yeah, so typically what we do is we work with businesses that don't have a marketing team in-house. So we provide them with a complete outsourced marketing team. Um, We also develop a lot of websites. I was just mentioning before, Mm -hmm. over the last 12 months, we've probably developed 100 to 150 websites, which is quite a lot. And I suppose that's simply because, you know, everybody is improving their websites. They developed them 10 years ago or five years ago, and they're now out of date. They're not responsive and they're not you know, getting the leads that they expected to get from it while their competitors are storming um, upwards. So mm-hmm. um, we do a lot of websites. We also have our own media. We have a magazine which gives mm-hmm. our great. clients, thank you, our clients a voice. Um, it tells their entrepreneurial stories. I'm an entrepreneur, so it's wonderful to be able to provide a forum where our clients who are entrepre- entrepreneurs as well can actually tell their story in a meaningful way. Um, and I suppose last but not least, we, we develop both um, education programs and technology. The technology we develop is very much around our business, about improving processes, making us more efficient, helping our staff work harder, faster, smarter. And that's really powerful for our clients because it allows us to do things at a, at a much more rapid space, uh, pace. Sorry, mm-hmm. And that's um, you know, really important to small businesses because every minute counts when it comes to marketing. And from education perspective, we teach other marketers how to do marketing. And you know, we believe that the more qualified marketers there are in the market, the better it is for us. There's certainly enough business out there. Um, But unfortunately, a lot of marketers give other marketers bad names. Um, So we're very much about lifting the um, abilities of other marketers and ensuring that that we're all providing a a worthwhile service to small businesses in the market. We've been talking with Melissa Smith of Marketing Eye, the international marketing firm that we're blessed to have uh, a location here in Atlanta. And one of the things that you do is provide uh, expertise in lead generation. Can you talk about that? That's a key thing, particularly in the business-to-business space, is bringing to you those people that are in the community that are saying, yes, I may actually have a problem that your business solves. So can you talk about the lead generation side of things? Yes, I can. Um Lead generation has become so much more sophisticated than it ever has been before. Mm -hmm. Um, Quite often companies um, have, you know, lead generation processes. They have salespeople that go out and and get um, sales. They have, you know, they do marketing campaigns, usually ad hoc. When you're looking at the small business environment, um, a lot of people aren't as strategic when it comes to marketing as they should be mm-hmm. or as they could be that would benefit their business more. So we have quite a sophisticated um, lead generation model. We look at the entire sales pipeline. We um, implement sales automation within companies and marketing automation. 
and we you know really work with what is their inside sales model you know what is their you know who are they sales team what messages are they sending out to the market you know where are they getting their most leads from you know are they using old techniques and not new techniques um, and is that costing them more money in the mm-hmm. long run um, and also looking at technologies there's amazing technology out there um, you know we look at we've got CRM technologies we've got sales automation technologies we've got marketing automation technologies we've got e-marketing technologies um, and the ability to capture really large databases um, with companies like SalesLoft um, and be able to use those databases in a meaningful way to connect with more customers more often and and ultimately get more sales. One of the things that you mentioned that sets Marketing Eye apart from some of the other folks out there in the space is that you don't outsource the services that you provide. You bring experts in to be part of your team to provide each element of service that you're offering to your clients. Can you talk about that and why it's important? Yeah, absolutely. you know, businesses have a choice. They can have a freelancer and often freelancers are really strong in one or two areas of marketing, but not all areas of marketing. Um, or you can hire an agency and typically agencies have core strengths and they do certain areas really well. It might be advertising, it might be PR, it might be web development and digital marketing. Um, but quite often they outsource the areas that they're not so strong in. So everybody's trying to be everything to everyone. Um, what I did when I started Marketing Eye is I realised that the biggest benefit we can give a small business is to be able to collaborate and have all the team in one room at one time and talk about the client and be able to discuss what the issues are with the client, what problems are we trying to solve, um, what marketing techniques are best going to work for that client and be able to develop marketing campaigns that talk the same language, have the same visual identity, and you know that people can resonate with. Um, and we were only able to do that by having everybody in the same room um, on an ongoing basis. We talk about our clients. You know, every month we sit down as a team and we talk about you know what are we trying to achieve. You know, where does this business want to go? What did we see that month that may be interesting um, that we would benefit that particular client and being able to do that is really invaluable Um, and now particularly with the cross-pollination of marketing services and marketing applications out there it's more meaningful to do so we're sitting in Atlanta Technology Village and we're exposed to so many marketing technologies Mm -hmm. Um, and it allows us to you know I'll sit and have coffee with somebody who's built a technology around Facebook where they can find a competitor's followers and actually put ads up in front of every (laughs) single follower that our competitor has. Now, that's really invaluable. Would I have known about that if I hadn't sat in Atlanta Technology Village? Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have. And I was able to bring that both to my team in the US and the team in Australia. Now, that's invaluable. And there's so many more technologies out there. Um, Same as um, the cost, the old system of buying database, it co- costs so much to buy yeah. a database. And for small businesses, it's too much. Well, given, given the high rate of inaccuracy that you get when you buy those, we've done that ourselves as we yeah. tried to do in, increase you know, community awareness for our medical practice that I work for when I'm not on the mic. So I, I agree with you because you do pay a heavy price for a sizable list that would be of meaningful use to you and you know you get a whole bunch of nothing as part of that. Yeah you do and being able to um, buy a database at a much 
more affordable price that has 98.5% accuracy mm-hmm. is something we've never heard of before. I've certainly bought a lot of databases over the years and they are inaccurate. It's, you know, the person left 10 years ago um, and we're trying to send an email to them. You know, of course that's not going to work. There's no point in that connection. Um, so now, you know, there are technologies out there that with a click of a button and a few keywords, you've got a database of 20,000 people. Hey, who doesn't want that? That's right. You know, and, and with things like Facebook and Twitter advertising that's available out there, you can go into Google AdWords and do some of your own kind of uh, do-it-yourself kind of advertising. Tried some of those things ourselves <laughs> and, and quickly found that you can spend some money uh, and not really get anything back. I mean, what kinds of mistakes do you typically see? I'm sure there's a common thread here and there of things that uh, where, where businesses kind of go awry trying to increase their brand awareness, but maybe spending in the wrong place or something like that. So can you talk about those types of issues that you solve? I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs, you know, in everything that I do, whether I'm at work, whether I'm dealing with clients, whether, you know, I'm in my social circles. And the most common mistake that an entrepreneur makes is that they have some amazing ideas in marketing. They are able to come up with concepts that their competitors haven't thought of yet. And they share it with their team, but nobody actually does anything about it. Nobody actually executes it. And the the biggest issue that entrepreneurs face and businesses face is they don't do anything with the great ideas that they have and they don't nourish those ideas and and nurture them so that they become something more meaningful and ultimately lead to a sale. So the biggest mistake is first you know, sitting on your hands and not doing anything. And the second biggest mistake is marketing to yourself. <laughs> so many people market to themselves and so many entrepreneurs and business owners, they choose what marketing they do according to what they like. That's the biggest mistake you can make. You need to get in the shoes of your customer. You need to understand your customer. You need to live and breathe who your customer is. And, you know, I've had a situation where a client has actually come to me and they're marketing to men, quite masculine men. And they wanted the ad because it would stand out to be hot pink. Now, seriously, <laughs> you know, that's not going to work. Right. And it's because they liked it. At the end of the day, we did a hot pink ad, you know, much to our disgust. And, of course, it didn't work. It was throwing away money. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good lesson they learned that, you know, we, the fact that we challenged them on, on the topic and we said, you know, you can't do that. That's not who your target market is. Um, is was really valuable to them for lessons in the future. So I, I think... Um, you know that's another big thing that people need to realize you're not marketing to yourself you're marketing to your customer and learn what your customer likes you know learn what they drink in the morning learn what they eat you know learn what television show they watch Um, that's really important and the third thing would be technology you know we've all um you know been slow to adopt some form of technology i was slow to adopt facebook do you believe linkedin for me yeah, and I remember when everybody was asking me to join Facebook, I was like, you've got to be kidding, I don't have time to waste. And of course now, I not only am on Facebook, I'm talking about it, I'm doing public speaking, I'm being a thought leader on how to use mm-hmm. Facebook and connect with people in a more meaningful way. So it's, um, 
you know, the adoption of new technologies. And there's so many businesses out there and, and there's some st- statistics around, you know, the Fortune 1000 companies, how slow they've been to adopt social media as part of their marketing strategy or, or digital advertising. And it's just crazy because it's here to stay. It's not about to change. And this last area would be your sales automation and your marketing automation. Um, everybody is slow to adopt marketing automation. It, you know, they, everybody thinks it's for the big guys. It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to watch your client or your prospect on a journey and follow them around and preempt it, you know, what their next move is going to be and be able to sell to them directly is invaluable. And it's, you know, how to get shorter lead times um, in your sales cycle. So it's a no-brainer. A couple of things that I've noticed about the company as I was looking into, you know, the website and trying to get, learn a little bit more about Marketing Eye. Um, I really like the fact that you, uh, in just the way you present yourself through your written communications, it's not... I, I don't, to say it's not PC, it's not really the thing to say, but I mean, it's straightforward. It's not necessarily sugar-coated mm-hmm. um, and straightforward in your approach, which I really like. And, and obviously, as we've spoken you know, a few times leading up to the show today, it's obvious that you have a great passion for what you're doing. And I think that uh, it's cool that you've positioned your company. You can serve everybody from the smaller business that may presume that they can't afford to have a resource like this. Your model is one that uh, actually empowers a smaller business, perhaps, that needs some brand awareness to make their business grow, um, you, can, you can do that. You can interface with this professional international marketing group and actually have a, a spend or an investment, if you will, on that that even a smaller company might be able to afford. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting that you mentioned the blogs. Um, sometimes I have friends who ring me up and, and they're in business and they say to me, did you really share that on your blog? <laughs> I go, Yeah. And this is how many hits I got. Right. You know, I got 50,000 hits within an hour on that blog. And they're like, really, do you have to be that personal? And you actually do. Yeah. People want to engage with a real person. That's right. And what I find is most people read my blog when they're having their morning coffee. And it's quite flattering to find out that, you know, your customers or people in the street or, or you know, I go to Starbucks some mornings, people will walk up to me and say, are you Melissa Smith? I read your blog. That's awesome. And it's a, it's a different type of, uh, almost like a different type of celebrity, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens to me everywhere. Likewise with Twitter. Um, I go to conferences and, you know, half the room knows who I am from Twitter. Like, who would have thought that that would be the case a couple of years ago? Right. And it really is. And they know my last story. They know what I wrote about. Um, One thing really interesting about my blog is, you know, people obviously want to know about marketing, and that's great. But people also want to know about your journey. They really want to know when you trip up because they've probably also tripped up or they're about to. They want to know what was your experience and how did you get through that? Um, What challenges you're having in business? You know, what challenges you're having with marketing? You know, the fact that you're going to invest in, you know, a new marketing campaign, they want to know how you actually spent that money. Mm-hmm. And and we're a marketing company, but we're marketing ourselves. We want to be a big global player in small business marketing. Yep. So we're actively doing things. We're actively doing marketing campaigns where we've got an inside sales model. We have a magazine, you know, the aims to bring out three or four books a year, doing education seminars around the world, all of these things. So we're 
actively doing the things that we're asking our clients to do. And, you know, also the fact that we have such a high profile on social media, it shows our clients no matter how small you are, you too can have that. Yeah, you're going to get some real exposure. Mm. One of the things that I love to hear from our guests are, you know, success stories about their solutions. And obviously, you've you've brought along a, a client of yours that uh, has been happy with uh, the things that your your company, Marketing Eye, has done for them. Can you inter- you know share a little bit about that story and introduce well, uh, our I'd next guest that you were kind enough to bring? Yeah, I'd love to introduce Vianne. Vianne um, has a tech business in Atlanta. It really is um, an amazing business. One of the wonderful things about Soltech is that every <laughs> single staff member and every single client I've met loves the brand, loves the company, but most importantly, loves the people. And I suppose Vianne um, really treats everybody like their family, whether they're a supplier, whether they're uh, an employee, whether they're a candidate for a job or, or whether they're a client. So I think that's really quite a unique model in the way that they operate. Um, but in the last 12 months, They've done some really exciting stuff, and I'll let Vianne share that with you. That's so kind of you, Melissa. Thank you for that <laughs> wonderful introduction. I hope I can live up to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to go back to something you said, talking about disruptive. Yeah. We hired uh, Marketing Eye about a year ago, thinking that we were going to have them help us with lead generation and growing our business. But she said, you know, wait a minute. Have you thought about your brand? And we had thought about the brand, but it was serving us just fine, you know. But I have to say that that disruptiveness that she brought to uh, Soltech has been just incredibly um, beneficial this year. Uh, Our employees are happier. We just, we really are thrilled with what you've done in terms of the brand and redoing our website. We could do it ourselves, but um, we realized that letting somebody on the outside help us was probably going to create more, just some angles that we hadn't thought of, so... Anyway, so thanks for that, Melissa. They're, they're very much game changers in everything they do, well, so yeah, it really fits. Have a broad spectrum as well. Uh, a number of solutions that you you know provide in the technology space. Can you talk about that? And talk, talk before we do that, let's rewind you because you, you've been around for fifteen, sixteen years. Sixteen years. So talk about that. How did it get started? Yeah, it's a great story. So my background is actually I'm a software engineer by trade, and uh, over the years did some development, but I really have a, a gift for the people side of things mm-hmm. and uh, realized I came out of my shell and just really love the, the uh, business side of things and working with people. Um, so I think I was given a gift there. But anyway, moved to Atlanta in the 80s and met uh, who is today my husband, Tim Smith. And uh, we met here and uh, 16 years ago decided that uh, we could make it in our own business and uh, what we learned we had both been doing engineering and we had done a lot of staffing you know helping Mm -hmm. um, folks that are technical to hire professional engineers and uh, that was awesome and we learned a lot but what we really wanted to do with our business was to focus on building relationships with people like us Mm -hmm. people that uh, have a passion for business have a great idea and uh, at the end of the day, they want to solve business problems, and it's going to rely on using technology, but they don't know how to use the technology. So we blended our technology background expertise with our, I think, our savvy in the business community. And so today, our, we do a lot of things for a lot of different people. Yeah. But probably the thing that is most rewarding for us is working with early-stage startups 
uh, those folks that just have these brilliant ideas, and I see them every week. I see probably five to ten great ideas every week, and I wish I, w- wish I had thought of that myself. <laughs> um, but people come in, and they've got these bright eyes. They've got this wonderful idea, but they really don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And so what I think we do very well is we sit around the table in the early discussions and quickly understand what they're trying to accomplish. And in that first hour, we start giving them ideas of things they can do, and the lights just go on, and they get brighter, and they get excited. And uh, so at the end of the day, we take a lot of these ideas and these these visions of success and help them you know, turn that into reality. And it's just so rewarding. So in that particular pr- facet of your business, um, are you kind of doing it on a project kind of basis where you're linking up and providing some advisory type services along the way while they're kind of coming up out of the early stages of their business and then you – you know, you know, do you remain engaged with them over time? How does that tend to flow for you? Yes. Um, every client engagement is a little different. And one of the things that I think our clients like about us is we are very flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's needs are different and they change over time. As a company um, goes from startup to success, their needs change, their staffing needs change, the way they're going to run their business changes. And uh, many times we we see a company from you know the day that they have no employees to the day that they have a thousand employees and what we do along the way does change but uh, typically in the beginning stages we do have a project-based approach which is what our clients really like from Mm -hmm. us and uh, in technology today in the old days it wasn't quite this way but today their technology there's so many technologies out there and when you build software it takes different talents to bring that that product to bear it's kind of like a compare it to building a house to some degree to make it simple to understand when you're building a house you need carpenters you need electricians you need um, heating and air people you know you need all kinds of different talents and so when you build software you need all these different resources and the thing that's different about Soltech there are a lot of technology firms out there but the thing that's different about us is we have an employee-based model all of our resources are here in Atlanta and when we do a project we um, put a project plan together and we bring the resources in and out as needed so there's front-end development that needs to be done there's creative work that needs to be done there's data components that need to be done there's a lot of business logic but those are all different talents and so we can bring the resources in and out versus having our client just hire one person that can do one thing really well and get by in the other four things and so at the end of the day it's very value add Um, the customer can get software built faster and more economically by the our ability to bring the right resources in and out on the project team we've been talking with vn smith of soltech um, the technology company that can help with a wide variety of uh, issues there you talked about the fact that you started in the staffing kind of space for it i think it's kind of cool that you pivoted then and saw obviously facing all these technology companies you saw some needs that you were able to then develop some staff type resources built into your company where you could offer those types of services Um, you know and it would seem then that it becomes a full suite then if someone comes to you with a great software as a service idea i assume that's kind of how it happens they're in the early stages they're trying to develop you can help them actually bring it to fruition uh, as well as help them scale it as their business starts to grow you can help them bridge the gap between oh my gosh I don't have this type of engineer or that type of engineer or technician whatever it may be to provide those types of temporary type 
or even temporary to permanent type relationships. Is that is that correct? Yes, that's very accurate. So so once we when we're engaged and we help get the product launched, we build the you know many times we talk about the minimal viable product. You know, get the first minimal viable product out, and then from there you know get some customers to start looking at the product. It starts taking off. They build revenue, and so many times at that point our project team isn't really needed anymore but our customer now needs to build internal staff to start support their business mm-hmm. and so we help them at that point move from a project-based model to more of a staffing model so many times the first thing we'll do is help them hire their chief technology officer or their director of development um, the other thing you know and then from there on, they might need to hire engineers, and so we become kind of their staffing partner at that pers- at that point. The other thing that I think we do very well is you mentioned software as a service, and you know, mm-hmm. and putting their product out I- available to their clients. Uh, many times they're looking for a hosting solution, and they don't know what to do about it. And so we become their managed hosting provider as well. So we help them. What do I do to get my product to the cloud, and how do I host it, and and we can help with that as well. So we really are a full service provider for that business entrepreneur who wants to focus on their business, but doesn't want to have to worry about the technology, but wants to have peace of mind because they know they have a partnering relationship with a firm like Soltech that uh, we keep them informed, we make it uh, understandable to them. Um, we many times give them ideas they hadn't even thought of. And right. so they've told us many times that I came in with an idea and I thought it was the best idea, but Soltech made it better. They gave me peace of mind. And um, they didn't take control from me. That's the other thing we hear a lot. Clients very much appreciate the fact that we respect that this is their business. Mm-hmm. This is their idea. This is what they're there's a lot of value on what's being done but we don't take control we're really more of a partner with them and so we show them results all along the way so that they don't really have to worry about it Mm -hmm. Um, so that's I think a big differentiator of Soltech obviously the you know the company provides you know a wide measure of, of services heavily technical in terms of software development support providing them access to a cloud environment where their application and data can live um, and supporting on that side plus staffing do you bring them together these startups do you kind of have any kind of hand on the capitalization side of things or you know linking them up with resources or or anything like that or you really stick to the the technical side of their their development I'd love to say we help them with that, and they hope that we can, but that's not our area of expertise. We really do focus more on the development. But the thing that we do bring that I think, just to kind of hone that point, is we've done so much work with startups that we do know a lot about where to go for money and what Mm -hmm. you need to what you need to have in terms of your assets to be prepared to go out and get money because we've done it so many times but we certainly are not the vcs ourselves but we do know how to help them and hold their hand and they do appreciate that now if i'm one of those folks then in in that startup phase i have a great idea for an application for example and i want to come to you to help me develop it um does the you know and this is just me not knowing uh do you does the company have any kind of an equity position on an ongoing basis with the company that you you know that comes to you for your services, or is it really more just a, a project type consulting type relationship? Because I know like in the venture capital side of things, and many times if they help you launch with some capital, then they own part of the company. But how does that work with this side of things? Yeah, we get that question a lot when yeah. that uh, entrepreneur comes in to meet with us. The one of the things they ask right out of the gate is, "Who's going to own this yeah. software when you're done?" And uh, it's a very simple answer. You, the client, right. are going to own all of the software. So um, 
So no, we don't have an equity position. It's really truly a partnering relationship where mm-hmm. we are just doing the work from a project-based perspective. And one of the reasons why I like to ask a, a question like that, and, and you, you, you hit on the other side of it, and that is there's obviously from the company side, from Soltech side, there's protections built in for that company that comes in and entrusts you with the development side. We're not going to take your fantastic idea and ride off into the sunset with it, leaving you in the dust. So that's kind of cool to know for the tech entrepreneurs in the area to, to be able to realize they have a resource here that they can link with to, ve- to develop it and launch it and, and keep it. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's a great segue. Um, you know, a lot of software development can be done offshore. Um, but truly, the reason we started Soltech is we wanted to be able to sit across the table from our client. And, you know, in that first stage where we first meet, you know, I make this point very clear to the prospect as we're in the early stages that you need to trust Soltech. You know, you need to look us in the eye and feel comfortable that we have your best interest in, 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 at heart and that um, everything that we talk about here around the table is going to be kept confidential, um, you know, because first to market is key many times with our clients in terms of getting their product out. So we're always under uh, non-disclosure with our clients and that makes them feel good we do that at the very beginning so but anyway but being able to sit across the room look people in the eye there's just a comfort that comes with that and I think that that's just been such a key with our clients and our reputation Mm -hmm. here in the Atlanta area is there kind of a typical picture of what the customer for Soltec looks like um you know that's a that's a tough question um you know, so I like asking those hard-hitting <laughs> questions. Because we, our <laughs> clients look so different. Um, we have hundreds, thousands of clients. But, um, you know, the passion at Soltech, the enthusiasm is around that early stage. You know, certainly we do a lot of that. Um, but uh, we can take a large Fortune 100 client who has a couple thousand people in their technology department. And those are great clients for Soltech as well. Um, there are many cases that I can talk to where um, maybe a large organization is in the middle of a large ERP implementation and sucking in, you know, $10 million a year of expenses, but there's a logistics department or a marketing department that needs to get something done. And the IT department just cannot get to it. They don't have the budget, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. allocated, but there's a real business reason as to why some technology solution is needed out in a line of business within that large organization. And so Fortune 100, Fortune 500 firms are great clients for Soltech as well um, for those line of businesses that can't get to the IT department. But then on the other side of the house, uh, we do a lot of work inside the IT departments uh, of organizations where our relationship there, we're still partnering, we have deep relationships, but it really truly is more of a staffing model where they have temporary needs. Um, They may have 1,000 people or 2,000 people doing development. They have those employees, but maybe they're getting into a new technology that they don't have any expertise with, or maybe they've got a short-term need and they don't want to hire someone and have to lay off or cut back later. Um, So they turn to Soltech for staff augmentation services, and we do a lot of that as well. Before we jump over to uh, one of our next guests, can you share, you know, we talked before the show, one of those stories that uh, is kind of, you know, makes you really glad about what you do. Oh, there's so many really exciting ones. Um, You know, some of the fun ones uh, can be things like um, someone comes in with an idea on how they want to launch a product to rate consumer products, you know, and they want to get a social 
gathering around a product. I'm under non-disclosure, so sure, I like sure. to keep this yeah. confidential. But somebody that has this great idea about just getting a getting a a social standing behind products and rating products, and you think, oh, that's really exciting. I wouldn't have thought about that, but just person coming in with this idea and it's their own personal money you know maybe they've been a successful uh, employee in a large company and they've got this idea and they've been sleeping on it for two years and they finally decide I'm going to cut my job that's paying me really well and I'm putting all my eggs in this basket around this product idea and uh, they're going to spend their own money and it might be you know might be half a million dollars or whatever but they believe in it so dearly and to help see that actually come out of the ground is the most exciting and rewarding thing that we do well i I, i'm sure it's you know quite a an honor to have someone entrust that you know you know life life savings or or everything that they have and their idea with you to be able to help them execute it and see it succeed i'm sure that's a thrill it's exciting we are uh in an exciting time with technology and uh it's just even gets more exciting every year, you know. I just always think, what's around the corner next year? <laughs> you know, what can we do next year? I love getting to meet all these people that I get to meet through the show. Uh, up next is somebody that I know personally. Uh, Drew Erickson joins us from Cox Media, uh, Cox Media and Cox Digital Solutions. So thanks for taking time out of your day to, to join us, Drew. Thanks for having me. And, you know, a little bit about my story. I mean, basically, as I've mentioned in the past, I'm a part of a physician practice in town. We were looking to increase our uh, awareness of what we do in the community. Went to, you know, WSB TV, which is obviously part of Cox Media Group, um, to, you know, to do just that. Go to uh, some broadcast type uh, campaign to be able to elevate uh, awareness among the community about our practice. And in the process, I was, you know, lucky to be introduced to your your staff there on the digital side of things, and that's where I really began to learn more about the importance of that side of things. And, and, and so, if you will, when it comes to digital strategy and digital, you know, marketing, can, can we go ahead and just jump into what does that mean, and, and then we'll kind of go through some of the specifics of how to avoid pitfalls and so forth. <clears throat> Great, thank you. Um, well, you know, we have a lot of people coming in to talk to us about WSB TV broadcast you know, TV. And, you know, during the discovery process of, you know, what, what are we going to put together that really showcases what's unique about your business, uh, we start discovering different things, uh, different ways to be able to help. And um, during that process, we really start looking through for um, areas where we can help them in digital. And that means website design, um, retargeting, any different type of uh, capability that we have to offer, we see how we can use that and make a truly integrated marketing campaign for them. You know, uh, WSB TV is a very strong station and, um, you know, it does very well on its own, but how do we combine to um, both those different products to really be able to show them growth, mm-hmm. you know, incremental growth, massive growth. And, you know, uh, WSB TV's, you know, been around for uh, a long time. And, you know, during that transition, the main thing has always been customer service, you know, being the experts and really being able to help define that. So, you know, we look at the advertising side for digital, the marketing side as well, and uh, really integrate those two parts together. And, you know, one of the things that I learned that you have the ability to do that I think is really cool is, you know, kind of implementing on the, the mobile 
society now, the technology that everybody has. I mean, we've got smartphones all around the table and an iPad or two here and there. Um, talk about some of the ways that you've been able to take advantage of that technology to the benefit of the customers who come and, and um, you know, engage themselves with the, the media solutions that you provide. Absolutely. So, you know, when we have a TV spot that's going to run, we're in production, everything is, where are we sending people to? You know, what's the experience going to be once they see the spot and they go research you? And if it's going to have the, the company's website URL in it and someone goes and it's a bad experience, they're going to leave. And, you know, we, we help them with the analytical side to see, all right, what is the bounce rate? How long are people spending on the site? And, you know, we'll recommend making a landing page, a vanity URL, something where we can increase engagement for sending people there. So it's, you know, it's very important to have that great experience because people are impatient, especially when it comes to phone. You go to a site and it's not functioning well. It's, uh, you have to start pinching in for it. You're going to leave. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to showcase that you know, here's a here's when you're going to invest in broadcast TV, we want to help you and our loyal, you know, viewers really understand you. So, you know, it's very important to see where are we sending people. Well, and, and those are some of the things that I, I was really impressed with and, and kind of thankful for because, we, we, you know, in the process of linking up with WSB, you, you know, introduced us to uh, a local group that, you know, does web design as well, and, and they were able to redo our website, and, and we talked a lot about those types of factors. Um, but one of the other components, is, you know, when it comes to advertising, you know, digitally, putting your message out there, putting your brand out there in front of your customers, you're able to actually use that mobile technology with part of what you do to show a message to somebody who's in the vicinity of either a you know a business that might make sense if a customer is at this business in your general neighborhood it might make sense for them to see information about your business because they've obviously kind of geo identified that they have uh, some kind of uh, relevant concern that would you know your business might be able to solve is that is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the advancements in mobile advertising, app advertising, is amazing on what you're able to do. You can <clears throat> you can look at an area competitor, and you know focus in your efforts for that. You know use a combination of uh, Wi-Fi signals, the cell you know carriers, all these different things that show where you are and you start layering in different types of uh, um, consumer research like Nielsen Prism or Blue Kai things like that and you you put these impressions these ads in front of people that are likely to convert in the area during certain times and you know it's you get down to within meters of an area mm -hmm. and so so literally if someone you know, using our practice as an example if I'm uh, we're a wound practice, and we have hyperbaric medicine. We can help somebody with certain problems. Um, if, you know, using your technologies, you're actually able to say, well, this person is sitting in, a, in an office that serves the people that your practice would serve, so we're going to show them an application while they're sitting there waiting to see their doctor, and they pull up the ESPN app or whatever you name the application that they might go to for news or entertainment, and they might see a banner or a, some kind of a 
piece of information about my particular practice. Why? Because you've determined based on where they are that it must be relevant to that person, and you can be that specific to time of day and where they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when people are waiting to do something, if you're at a car dealership and you're sitting there waiting, everybody is on their phone, they're in app, they're playing a game, or they're reading an article. And, you know, to expose them when they're in that mind set and they're thinking about different things is what makes this so impactful and then being able to see what the consumer does after being exposed to the ad after clicking on it and going down that whole channel are they calling are they using gps to go to a competitor and so you layer in all those different things and um, it works really well I thought it was a really cool service. We've been talking with Drew Erickson from the Cox Media Group and their Digital Media Solutions Group. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you talked about was, um, you know, that I learned as we went in there, you involve your customers. There's there's a host of, of things that you make available when someone becomes a client of Cox Media Group um, as an advertiser or someone looking into the digital marketing side of things. There's a host of information that you expose them to. I got to meet someone high up from Google who taught me a ton of things that I had no clue about as it relates to trying to determine what is the customer searching for um, through their search terms and different trends along those lines. And, and, and as, uh, uh, you know, as I understand a Google premier partner, you have access to data within Google's analytics that lets you be that much more specific and strategic for someone who comes to invest marketing dollars through your services. Yes, uh, we are Google Premier SMB partners, and you know, we uh, I think there's one at 20 in North America that is a Premier partner, and you know we have a deeper level of communication with Google. You know, we can pick up the phone and actually talk to somebody, and you know we are we had the exposure to you know have new products to go deeper in the AdWords platform, things mm-hmm. like that. And uh, yes, we did bring in uh, someone from Google to talk to you specifically and show you some of the different tools that are out there to, you know, look at real-time searches, to uh, look at historical searches, what are changing, you know, um, and, you know, it gives you a huge insight to things you wouldn't think about. You know, mentioned about, you know, uh, a a focus group of one, you know, oh, Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to, you know, have a commercial i want to have something like this because i like it i like it yeah and you know we we uh give access to all these different tools and these different resources to um you know make it more effective well you know one of the things you talked about was um uh, as we were, you know, working with uh, Cox Media Group, you know, you talked about like, you know, pay per click, and that was one of the big questions I had. I had, on my own, as many people do, gone into Google AdWords and tried to create a campaign, and I got some clicks and spent some money. And you know, for me at the time, based on the number of clicks that we got, I was really kind of alarmed. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm spending money, but I'm not really getting anything from it. So. Tell the listener out there who maybe, you know, they're a business like ours that's trying to, you know, expand the awareness of what they do. Why does it make sense to, you know, invest with a specialist like yourself when they're going to go do a pay-per-click campaign, for example, or search engine marketing of some kind? Why does it make sense to go that way versus, you know, trying to, you know, stumble off into the darkness on their own and do it themselves, even though it's possible to do that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is possible. Google's made a great AdWords platform where anybody can go in and put their credit card information and start running pay-per-click ads, start using uh, retargeting ads. Um, 
you know, and it, it looks user friendly. But you know, there's when it comes to it does it looks user friendly, yeah. but and you see your credit card get charged <laughs> every day and things right. like that. So you sure do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, it it takes a level of experience. Okay, and when you look at Cox Media Group from starting out in the late 1800s from newspaper and constantly evolving, you know. That gives us insight to see how consumers changed, and we have a lot of experience mm -hmm. in seeing that. And we take all that and leverage those, those um, you know, uh, resources and put it into monitoring these campaigns. I mean, we do uh, over a million dollars a month in Google, you know, pay-per-click with it, and um, we don't have to put it on a credit card. So, you know, we're on payment terms <laughs> with them. So, um, you know, it's uh, you look and see, okay, well, how much time do I need to spend as a business owner? You know, what else could I be doing other than an hour a day sitting there and, right. you know, writing ad copy? You know, what, you know, you start thinking of freeing up that much time, and it makes sense to start using a company. And, you know, it's, um, you know, throughout many years, you know, a lot of companies would take advantage of, you know, um, doing companies' uh, pay-per-click campaigns. You know, how much are they keeping? How much are they paying back Google and things like that? And so we're completely transparent and uh, want to show them how it all works. And your relationship as a premier partner with Google um, kind of goes into the fact that you're able to then extract some analytic data that would let your customer be able to see some very specific information about how well is it working, how many how much traffic did you have on the website before? How much do you have now that we're into our campaign? Where are they going on the website when they get there? That kind of information and some stuff that the free analytics that you can get access to just as Joe user like I can, uh, you're able to actually dig deeper into the data behind the curtain that uh, Google keeps up for partners like yourself. Yeah, um, and that's, <laughs> you know, it's really important to have that because, right. you know, you run a TV spot and we see, all right, so... You know, X amount of people went to the website, all right? What did they do? And those are things you can see basic in Google Analytics. And you start isolating, you know, the demographics. How does that change? How much time was spent on site compared to normal? And you help craft, um, you know, that particular audience that went to that site. You know, we take it uh, a level deeper because of, um, you know, our relationship with Google plus, you know, um, all the different, you know, um, audience um, um, data that we have from, you know, Nielsen, um, and we combine those in together. So, you know, we can see further down the funnel on when they went there, when they came back. And I think in our particular um, situation with you, we ran an on-air campaign and then went and isolated that hour. And, you know, your perception of who this ad was being exposed to and who came to the site was a, a, a little bit different. Right. You know, we were looking to you know, we, we thought initially it'd be skewing a, a higher um, age demographic, and, you know, we saw that it was younger. Mm -hmm. And you start piecing things together, and that helps uh, um, change your creative. Well, when it comes to, you know, advertising, one of the things that uh, came up, uh, you know, off air before we got started was programmatic buying. What does that mean? And, and you know, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, programmatic buying, which is, um, you know, a pretty popular term for um you know, media right now is, you know, think of the AdWords platform. You know, you can go in there and you can buy, you can buy a bunch of different sites and things like that. Programmatic is, you know, like an auction where you can be on many different sites and um, uh, you don't have to go publisher direct. You know, if you want to be on, you know, all these different websites, you want to target someone that is uh, 
male, 25 to 30, and is in market for a BMW. They could be on many different sites. So you, you target by that audience. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's gaining popularity from it. And, you know, it's something that's, uh, I think it's inevitable to go to the broadcast side, you know, that type of buying. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, <clears throat> it makes it a little bit different to show the value of your website to advertise on when someone can go and place these buys for you, you know, mm-hmm. different costs per thousands. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how that will continue to transform and how it's going to you know, go into, you know, broadcast media. Well, you know, it's, it's certainly easy for me to say that, you know, if somebody is con- contemplating trying to improve their digital strategy and trying to get out there through uh, various search engine type marketing strategies, I, you know, the folks that I interfaced with along the way uh, within the WSDP team and your staff there, they were all top notch and certainly seemed like they were very much interested in uh, having us have a successful campaign. So thanks for taking some time out of your day to jump on with us here. And before we run out of time, I want to make sure I get over here and talk to man Anthony from Pindrop Security. And, you know, as I got in and started looking at uh, Pindrop, it made me realize that, you know, phone phone fraud, I, I didn't realize that it's as big a problem as it actually is. So take me through the story of Pindrop Security, and we'll kind of get down into the solutions that you're providing. Sure, yeah. Phone fraud is a growth industry, and yeah. probably everybody in this room has received a call in the last six months or so from someone claiming to be Windows technical support or maybe they said they were your bank, or any yeah. of the above. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it's rampant. And I got one of those this week. There you go. So <laughs> um, I assure you that had nothing to do with this appearance. Um, so uh, <laughs> we, uh, what what uh, Pindrop Security was created to do was to address this weak link in, in the whole uh, infrastructure, right? So if you think about it, you know, there's three ways to rob somebody. You walk up to them and, and stick a gun at them. For banks and companies and that sort of thing, that doesn't work anymore. That's that's well defended. Over the last 20 years, there's been a lot of activity and probably a lot of it helped by people at this table in terms of coming up with solutions to stop that from happening in the online channel, in email, on websites, and so on. Those are pretty well protected. In fact, if we all think about the first time we got a bank account, um, you know, which for me was a while ago, mm-hmm. uh, the, the defense on the phone channel for that was they'd ask me a bunch of questions. Well, if I call my bank right now, what are they going to do? They're going to ask me a bunch of questions. Right. On the online channel, when I first got a bank account, I couldn't access my, my bank account yeah. on the phone, on, online. I didn't know what online was, hadn't been invented yet. And then it evolved, right? So we, we started getting, you know, you had to put the password in, then you had to use the little image plus the password and maybe some other device. And it's, it's continued to change, right? It's different now. I, it almost feels like every time you go in, they've changed a little bit and that's, that's all by design. So it's become very secure. And so what's happened is, is that these fraudsters, and there are a lot of them out there, they're professionals, they're organized. What these folks have done is they have moved into the phone channel. And so what you have now are you have highly expert social engineers. And social engineering is a really fancy way of saying somebody who's good at tricking you. I see. So uh, they make themselves appear to be somebody else is what you're saying. That's right. That's right. And they're they're trying to be trusted. Uh, They're trying to be urgent. They're doing all these things that will make you not use the judgment that you would normally use when when a stranger calls you and asks you for your social security number or (laughs) some other piece of information. Right. Um, And they're very good. Uh, we, um, at Pindrop, our founder, Vijay Balasubramanian, was doing his PhD work at uh, Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. and he invented a way to analyze the sound from a phone call, and based on that, say, okay, 
where's the phone call really coming from and what type of device did they use to make the phone call? So was it a cell phone or was it a landline or was it a voice over IP system on someone's computer? And uh, then some other things that he was able to figure out from that and he found, wow, I've got this really accurate thing now, what we call a phone print, and I can use it to say, I've seen this person before, I haven't seen this person before, and also to do things like say, well, that's interesting, you know, here's the phone number, and it says it should be from a landline in Atlanta owned by C.W. Hall, right. but in fact, it's really coming from Nigeria, and it's a voice over IP line. Interesting. So somebody's spoofing and trying to pretend to be you, probably they're doing that so that they can rob your bank account. Yeah. And they're calling people at home, right? They're calling all of us and using these scams. And they're calling financial institutions. They're calling retailers. Uh-huh. And they're stealing things. And so that would probably bring us to who your customer is. It's companies that, you know, have some sort of, you know, phone operators. That's on, right. You know, whether they're inbound or outbound type call centers. Yes. Yeah. Anybody who's, who's receiving some of the 90 million calls that go into call centers every year. Wow. And so take me through what the relationship is like. What are you going to do? You know, how does how do I get involved with Pendrop Security to have you provide protection? And is it sort of is the relationship sort of an ongoing, almost like a subscription kind of relationship where I'm I'm investing, you know, in in our relationship kind of on an ongoing basis? How does that flow for the customer who comes to you for your help? So it it can be a couple different ways Um, for uh, right now. We're in two of the top four U.S. banks. Uh, So those very large banks have our technology sitting in front of their call center and every call that comes in, we score it. And we say, this is likely a, a risky call. Uh-huh. And by doing that, we're catching 80 to 90% of the inbound fraud calls for these guys. And when you, when you catch one that's got some bells and whistles going off, what happens? What, what do you do with that at that point? Does, is, does that trigger some sort of effort uh, to you know, nab the perpetrator? Or is it just, you know, does it just inspire the, the client of yours to be wary with what they're giving out or terminate the call? You know, what, what happens so, when something goes off? So it's really all of the above. And the, and the thing is, so I love working in information security. We yeah. protect people. Yeah, it it's feels cool. great. But one of the bad things about information security is we rarely get the bad guy. Uh, they're far easy for away. Them to hide, That's yeah. right. They're in a jurisdiction where they're not likely to get caught. Um, so what we try to do is to keep them from getting away with it. And so typically what happens is we deliver that score to our customer and they make sure that no money changes hands. Now, is that Um, a real-time event? That is. It it takes about 15 seconds of analysis and then a few seconds of computing on the back end. So within 20 seconds, you've got a score. Something actually pings up on my monitor that this is probably a problem call. It could be, or it could be something that happens in the background, like freeze that account, right? So if you think about it, uh, you know, we've, we've got all these people sitting in call centers, and their job all day long is to take care of customers. They're nice people. They're trying to be helpful. It's frustrating enough job. What we've found is one in 2,900 calls into a financial services call center is a fraudster. That's a lot of calls then. That's a lot I mean, of calls. I mean, a lot of bad guys. Call. That's right. That's yeah, a, that's a lot of bad of guys. Calls, so that's a lot of bad guys. Yeah, exactly right. So if any one of us was in charge of that call center, we'd go, oh, I'm horrified to think that that much is happening. But if you're the actual rep, it means you almost never talk to one of those bad guys. So your odds of fighting off that bad guy are very low. That's not what you do all day. You do exactly the opposite. How can you be helpful? That's right. So our goal is just to make sure that that person can worry-free, do their job, take care of people, and if occasionally it's a bad guy, we're just going to make sure that the bad guy doesn't get away with any money. Oh, that's awesome. One of the other benefits of that is it means that that person doesn't tip off the bad guy that they got caught. 
Yeah. And one of the things you don't want to do is let the bad guys know what works. Right. right. So maybe it was that. Maybe it was something else. But something tipped them off, and and they don't know. Wow, that is that is really cool. And so, you know, large or small, any company that's doing this type of inbound call, particularly when they might be exchanging some sort of personal or, or sensitive information, is is somebody that we should think about Absolutely. adding this layer of security. That's right. That's right. Okay. We're, we've been in business about three years. We've focused on very large enterprises because they have such a big problem there. Um, but the, the technology applies across the board. And eventually it will also be used to protect all of us and warn us about those inbound calls as well. That's awesome. I don't really understand how it works, but I would presume that from the, from the standpoint of risk reduction and perhaps maybe insurance type cost, does having something like this in my business when I have you know, access to sensitive information um, or risky information, um, if it's compromised, do, do I save money somewhere else uh, in some of my costs that I'm, you know, have as a business if I'm investing in security measures like this? You save money in two ways, which is one, you stop the loss. Yeah. And right now, uh, you know, financial institutions eat that money. Mm -hmm. So rarely do you even know if something like that happened on your account let alone um, would they try to hold you responsible for it. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing for consumers, but it means there's a lot of losses for the institutions. The second place, and this is actually more significant, is they can start to ratchet back some of the question asking. So there's actually lots of evidence that says that it's not very effective. Mm -hmm. It actually makes them send away their customers sometimes, which makes them unhappy. Right. And the bad guys, um, we ha we've listened to recorded calls where you can hear them flipping through documents because <laughs> they're finding the answer to the question. And they're making small talk <laughs> and that sort of thing, and then they answer the question. They have all that information. Man. And so it's not a very effective tool, so let's reduce it where we have a high likelihood that we've got a our good customer on the line and only ratchet it up where we see risk. Well, talk about how folks get linked up with Pindrop Security. I know you're online. I, I think I found you through Twitter, actually. We ended up oh, following good. each other through Twitter. <laughs> so talk about uh, where, where the listener can link up with Pindrop Security online. Well, I'm glad you, you found us through social because I'm sitting here among a bunch of marketing ninjas. Yeah, yeah. And They'll jump I'm on in you. charge of marketing at <laughs> Pindrop, I you should know. see the Twitter account right <laughs> now. I expect we're to see cards changing <laughs> hand here after we get off. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're online at, uh, at uh, pindropsecurity.com. Um, and, you know, in all the places you would expect us to be from a social media perspective. Um, the biggest challenge we have is that, like I said, the, the solution to, um, to protecting people in the phone channel is the same it's been for 40 years, mm -hmm. you know, forever. And so just getting the word out to say there's now a technology that actually changes the game in that space is, is a challenge for us. And so we're out there, you know, trying to, to spread the word and let people know that there's a solution. So the website? Uh, PinDropSecurity.com. And uh, from there, obviously, they'll be able to link up with you at Twitter and uh, uh, Facebook as well. Drew, why don't you jump on and, and share where people can link up with you on web and uh, social media? Uh, sure. You know, you can reach out directly with the email. It's uh, Drew.Erickson at uh, WSBTV.com and LinkedIn, uh, Drew Erickson. Okay, that's great. We'll make sure we're following you as well so the followers of the Midtown Business Radio Show can link up with you as well. How about you, Melissa? Well, I love social media. So at Marketing Eye, so that's E-Y-E-U-S, as well as on our website, um, Marketing Eye Atlanta, 
com. That's the best place to find us. And please read my blog. Yep. And follow you on social media as well. Obviously, Twitter and Facebook. and Absolutely. And, that, so. and find me on LinkedIn. I love to connect with new people on LinkedIn. So. She's a big mover and shaker on LinkedIn. I have to look at her stats all the time with my puny ones that I'm just now starting to develop. She's one of the big uh, <laughs> influencers on LinkedIn. She's way up there. 17,000 or That's something right. stupid. It's crazy. How about you? You can find Soltech at soltech.net and uh, certainly on LinkedIn as well. Follow me on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, we have a Twitter feed, so you'll find all that on our website. Her Twitter is at Soltech Atlanta. That's right. And uh, and there is another Soltech of some sort out there, so make sure you get at Soltech Atlanta. It's spelled out or ATL? ATL. That's right. And uh, if Atlanta. you've not done so already, the only Atlanta. cost that my guests pay is you have to link up with me on social media. So do that on Twitter and Facebook at MidtownBRX. Thank you all for making us a part of your afternoon again today. I have to have you back since uh, I owe you some time. Uh, you have to come back with a delighted client, perhaps, who can talk about all the money that you saved them for using your solutions there. So thank you, Matt. And everybody here, these are all very busy executives. So I appreciate their time very much. We'll see you same time, same place next week.